Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. The Lord has over the years been speaking to me about a very fundamental work that he intends to do with our generation especially, and not that he has not done with the generations before. But I believe that we are living in the greatest times of human history, and that there is a divine law that tells us that in every dispensation, the glory of God will always be greater than the glory of the former days. Isn't it? The Bible tells us that the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in there he has promised that he shall give peace also and will not carry storms as the glory increases. If Christ is not yet back, our children will see greater glory than we have seen. But whether you want it or not, all divine law and thought favors us in this generation to give glory and power than the generations before. Do you agree? And so even the manifestations of truth ought to be seen more in our generations than the generations that have come before. That is just the way of the Spirit. And so over the years, the Lord started to instruct me to teach certain things deliberately to help some of us have the experience of true deliverance. Not to be delivered, but have the experience of true deliverance. There's a difference. The Bible says that we have been delivered from darkness. Do you agree? We are delivered from darkness and we're translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Everybody which is born again has been translated, delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. There is no greater deliverance than that. But to be delivered is different from having the experience of that deliverance, a reality of manifestation in your life. For example, when the Bible says that by his stripes we're healed, the fact that by his stripes we're healed does not presuppose that everybody listening to me right now is healthy in their body. Because you're not healthy in your body, it does not mean that God did not send healing or that he has not purchased divine health for you. He has. So the pattern of understanding is to have the manifestation or the reality of experience of what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, like I said, you were delivered from the powers of darkness. That's what the Bible says. 
you were delivered from the power of darkness and you've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Whether you see or experience negative experiences or whether you see things contrary to the reality of that truth, God has already done all that is necessary for your deliverance. Shout amen. So the work of the church is to give you revelation and knowledge for you to be able to carry the experience manifestation of the reality which you have received by Christ Jesus. And one of these things that the Lord entrusted me for so many years and I have tried in so many ways and in whatever language and power God has given me to be able to express. And it began when I had an experience of vision and God gave me an understanding of the world that we are in and the systems that we are into, the systems where we get married, the systems in which we've raised children, the systems in which we've built career. And God is not telling us to go away, but He's telling us to come out of them. You get the difference? Do you understand? For example, when the Bible says that even though you are in the world, you're not of the world. God does not mean that because you're not of the world, therefore depart and go to heaven. You follow. But he's saying, even though you are living in the world, live differently from the way the world lives. Live differently from its systems. Live differently from its superficial customs. Live differently from its attitudes. Live differently from its ideals. Live differently from carnal consciences. Live differently from how they see life, the vision of life. That's what he's telling you. That's what it means to come out. It doesn't mean that you disengage. It only means that you don't build a life, a portion, a destiny, or a career best on those systems as your foundation. God becomes your foundation. You become the light that goes into that darkness and then take light. Because the Bible says you are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. Somebody shout, Amen. And the system that I'm talking about today, I know many of you have heard about it, is called the Babylonian system. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, 106, God gives an experience of where his own choice people one time ended up in experience. In the 106, the Psalms, the verses 35, the Bible tells us of how Israel rebelled against divine instruction. And as they continued going off the course God had ordained them, they started to mingle among the heathens and they learned their ways. They served their idols, which are the heathens, which were a snare unto them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. And they shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters. They killed their own children, sacrificed their blood, committed them to the devil, even without knowing, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, 
and the land was polluted with the blood of their children. Verses 39 says, they were defiled with their own works and they went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against him, his people, in so much that he abhorred his own inheritance. The Bible says in verses 41, and he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. This is Israel submitting or falling into the hands of the Babylonian system, even without knowing it, because they were ignorant of the ways of God. That is why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 18, verses 1, he says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundances of her delicacies. I want you to underline that. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. That means they've built wealth according to her system. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may be not partakers of her sins, and that you may receive not of her plagues. So God here tells us, come out of the Babylonian system. What does that mean? The disengage from that fallen conscience. Stop carrying the attitude, the ideals, the thought pattern, the principles, and the way of life of a fallen system for you to govern your life because Babylon falls. And what's the meaning of Babylon? Who knows? Confusion. If I must take us back, this word Babylon comes from a story, remember when uh, Noah and the floods, the history and how he warns the people about the coming judgment of God and then they rebel against the way of God. Eventually God instructs Noah to build a what? An ark? And then all them animals came through and his family and the rest of the people drowned. They were judged. In there were mixtures of seeds. If you remember then, the sons of God had copulated with the daughters of men and they had produced giants on the earth and many other things. And so a lot of evil and wickedness was found on the earth. So God judges that world and all of them are drowned. Then his family comes through. Then through one lineage, the Bible tells us, was it Ham? His son, who looked at the nakedness of his father and uh, scorned at him. Threw in there his seed, Cush, and the rest of that lineage. Out of there comes great-grand or grandson there called Nimrod. And Nimrod, from that lineage, actually the name Nimrod means the rebellious one, that's again the demonic worship among humanity, even when Noah's house had been consecrated. And so it's through there, Nimrod, we see that lineage now build the city called 
Babylon, which is confusion. You know the story of the tower. For some of you have read the story. But Babylon is a typification of a worldly, fallen, rebellious system against the way and pattern of God. And Babylon, the system, is manifested in our geopolitics. It's manifested in our financial system. It manifests itself in our social system. It manifests itself in our legal systems. For those of you who are keen readers, go read about the Code of Hammurabi the 1700s all through and see Babylonian law and then relate it with what happens today and the systems, our judicial systems and legislative, you'll see quite a lot common there. A monarchical system of how kings come into rulership and the cultures that are built around kingdoms. Many, not all, but many of those systems, if you follow them through, are Babylonian. In our management systems, in our education systems, even in our religious systems. If you're not a keen reader and follower of those patterns, you will see Babylonian systems everywhere. Okay? But it takes great grace for you to be able to search out these things and understand exactly what I'm saying. If I was given an hour, I would explain the Babylonian system and how it works in the politics. I'll give you a clue. How now nations are going back into an empire system. I've shared that once before. But I wish one day I could just have time to really go through and help some of you connect history to understand exactly what is happening in the world. Because what some of you see is Russia versus Ukraine. But some of you don't see the great Russian empire being rebuilt and how the orthodox system is going to grow out of that why some nations might work with that system because they too need the empires to be working and what that will mean or how it will influence the rest of the systems that are working in the world. Some of you are hearing rumors of the great reset. The conversations of money in a few years are going to change. But all of that is related to a certain system. So if I had an hour, I would talk about the political. If I had an hour, I could talk about the social. I can talk about the legal because I took some time to study. Today, I want to talk about the financial system. How to come out. This is what I mean by coming out. I mean to say that you can make wealth outside the Babylonian system. Because the truth is, even the way wealth is distributed in the Babylonian system is not fair. The research showed one of the richest nations in the world, is that America? They say 70% of the population in America does not own more than $1,000 on their personal accounts. That's the richest nation in the world. I think right now as I'm speaking, America is indebted by about 31 trillion. 31 trillion of debt. If you divide that by every citizen of America, almost every citizen owes $92,000. $92,000. How much is that roughly now, Ugandan shillings? That's just how much every citizen owes 
They have a loan, but they don't even know how that loan came. Are you following what I'm saying? And so it is with the world. They tell you, or you have heard, that almost 80% of the world's resources are controlled by 2% of the world's population. 2%, so I heard. Because there's a system that determines how you feed, how you sleep, how your children go to school, where you are in life. There's a system that determines whether this is a first world country or that one's a third world. Now, like the Bible said in Psalms, they have had now even those which hate them to rule over them. The systems of the world are not favorable for the church. And neither do we have the financial power to speak when we're supposed to be speaking. And that's the hard truth. Money answereth all things. I'm not talking about prosperity out of that personal, fallen, lustful desire just to amass wealth. I'm talking about purpose to build the kingdom of God. Do Christians have enough to build the kingdom of God? Can we? Yes. But is that what we see? Do you know that in many parts of the world, people think that Christians are the poorest people in the world? One man said it's the opium for the poor. That if you're broke, you try religion. Or that the poorest people in the world are actually spiritual and religious. Many of these empire systems that have been built are the biggest enemies of the gospel. Go to China right now and see what is happening to the church underground. They're not even allowed to stream life if you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go to Asia, nations like India, and see up to today, pastors are being killed in the north of India. Move through the Muslim nations, Iraq, Iran, and see what's happening. You will see that even though we're divided among us, the wars of men against us are overwhelming. Unfortunately, even the unifying factor that should help us see with the right eye and vision as God has designed the world for us to be, we're blind. And I believe it's those foreign forces that actually divide us the more because we are tagged and aligned to systems we don't even know how to come out of. We can't even understand them because we are part of those systems. Are you following what I'm saying? Has God called you to build wealth? Yes. Has God called you to preach the gospel with your finances? Yes. Has God called you to live well and not to struggle and strife? Yes. All the patriarchs, your fathers, before in scripture, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they are not poor men. Why? Because they were moving under a godly system. Are you following what I'm saying? So when you start to study the word, you see Jesus starting to throw nuggets only to them which are mature to start demystifying these things. For the wise to get that dichotomy and start to separate and say, what's the difference between how the other system works and how this system works? I'll give you an example of a story in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus tells them, why do you worry about what you dress? Because there is a person in the world worried of what they are going to dress tomorrow. He says, which one of you worrying can add a cubit of stature on your life? But it is true that we live every day in constant worry of how our children are going to get fees, of how we're going to get money to get married. <laughs> we are concerned of how we're going to pay for our mortgage. 
There's a young man asking themselves, how will I ever buy a plot of land? How will I ever build my own house? How will I help my mother, which is an hospital, I don't have money enough to pay the bills. There's a young woman somewhere who's looking for money for an operation and they cannot afford it and neither can their nation afford it for them. There's somebody right now, you remember when you were 15, there are things you thought you would be at 20 and you did not become those things. There are things you thought you'd be at 25. You've not become those things. There are things you thought you'd be at 30. You've not become those things. You're 40. You've not become those things. You're 50. You've not become those things. You're 60. You've not become those things. You're 70. You've not become those things. Prophets prophesied them. Your credentials on the earth almost qualified you simply on merit. The books you have were enough to qualify you. There was a time in Uganda, you just needed a certificate to get a job. There was a time in Uganda, you just needed a diploma and you'd be the head of your clan. You just needed a degree and eventually you'd become a village hero and they would crown you local chairman. But now the degree is not enough. The master's is not enough. The PhD is overqualified. And now COVID came through and took almost everything some of you have. And some of you, before you entered COVID, you have a loan. And they stayed these loans until recently. Now you have to pay them and you're in trouble. You don't even know what to do. Some of you built wealth and you saw it leave your hands. Before your eyes, there's nothing you could do, nothing you could change. Are you following what I'm saying? And the Lord began to show me that usually many of us, what you're actually fighting with is a system. It has arrested your way of thinking and your interpretation of life. That you can never see the hand of God and you will never see wealth built God's way until you know how to come out. Now he's giving us a clue. He said, it doesn't matter how much you worry. Worrying is not going to add anything on you. And he says, look at the grass, the flowers of the field, which are here today and tomorrow they are gone. They neither toil, nor what? Spin. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. But the Bible says that even Solomon in his wealth was not as arrayed as they are. He was not as dressed smart as they are. He was not as decorated as they are. But they don't toil, underline that, no spin. They don't do anything to dress well. Then he says, look at the birds in the sky. They neither sow nor what? Gather into birds. They don't have the revelation of sowing seed. They don't have the revelation of saving. But the Bible says they feed, they eat and they are full. And he says, if I can do that for the grass that goes away next day, or the birds that fly in the air, how much more you? He's trying to open your eyes. There's something he's trying to bring a conversation about. That you don't need to sow to eat. Do you know before the fall, when you look at Adam, Adam in the beginning, before the fall of mankind, Adam did not need to sow seed 
for plants to bring fruit out of the ground. Now, some unstable soul might think I'm saying that you don't have to work hard. No. You have to work hard. But it's not the guarantee of your success. No. It is the responsibility of the place God has called you for humanity. You get the difference? It's the responsibility of every child of God for the sake of humanity. Five fundamental principles that govern building wealth, one of which is for the good of men. You learn that whatever you're building in this world is not for you and your children and your nuclear family. It's for the good of many. And if you carry that mentality, God will do so much with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says in Corinthians, you'll have grace for every good work. Every good work. Whenever there's a need, you'll be able to provide because God sees that he can trust you with such responsibility. Somebody shout amen. Now let me continue here because I don't want us to lose the text. So he says, if I can dress the grass, if I can feed the bird that has not dug or toiled from the ground, how much more will I feed you? You're not supposed to be lacking food. But there's somebody at the sound of my voice who has slept hungry a few days ago. There are Christians dying of hunger in the world. Why? Because we have not detached from that system. We have not understood how to detach ourselves and build wealth that is independent of whether that system is working or not working. Are you following what I'm saying? Why would a bird that does not so be able to eat and a child of God is sleeping hungry? The Bible says that the earth was made for the profit of men. How can you fail to find a place to sleep? How can you fail to have shelter when the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the earth is for the profit of all? How can this big universe or this earth, sorry, as you see it, lack a property for you on earth? Do you understand what I'm saying? How? How can you fail to find shelter on the earth? Something is wrong. There's a system that just doesn't allow you to access it as you ought. Do you understand what I'm saying? How can a man have square miles on the same earth where another man has nowhere to sleep or raise his children? Is that even fair? How much do you need? Do we live forever in the body? No. That's a reality existing. Why? Because there is a system that determines who should have and who shouldn't. And that's not fair. You must understand it. Right now in the world, you remember in our COVID season, some nations in Europe and America were on the third dose booster. While in Uganda, they were just bringing in the first shot. In one part of the world, they were bringing in the first shot. And yet in another part of the world, some men were on third doses. And some of those nations built all their wealth from African riches. But they don't owe us. You know why? Because they were wiser. Are you following what I'm saying? And I'm not here to open old wounds. But I'm here for you to appreciate that that's just how the world works. That's just how the world works. 
they had to think about their own at first. And when they're done and everyone is full, so we have extra, let's send them. And look at what God did. Indeed, the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Neither bread to the men of skill. No, time and chance. We were left only to prayer. And God somehow preserved us in a system that did not favor us. I want you to give the Lord a mighty hand of praise and say hallelujah. Only God. Because we are still a praying people. We know how to put our knees on the floor and seek God. While you are on machines, you are saying, Jesus, I can't die. You are using COVID but you are speaking in tongues. You, you are drinking uh, tea, lemon and uh, garlic, but there was something in there telling you, Roba de go, shika talakoba de ga. Because there is another way for God to save his own also. The Bible says God can save by many or by few. His ways are not the ways of men. Are you following what I'm saying? Some of us knew that that system was not going to favor our families. We went on our knees and brought another system. It's called thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on the earth as it is done in heaven. That is how we preserved our families. Don't take me back into the slavery. How many nations are wealthy by our forefathers who are separated from their wives and children? And neither do I judge those men too because they were also under a system. If you read Babylon, you'll be shocked how it works. It's survival for the fittest. That's how it works. It has no other way. So Jesus is telling you that there is another way I can do it. There's another way I can provide for you. In Matthew 17, now he goes, verses 24, I'm building something here. The Bible says, and when they were come to Capernaum, they received tribute money. They that received tribute money came to Peter. Now, those of you who did not go to good schools, it means tax collectors came to Peter and said, does not your master pay tribute or taxes? Doesn't your master pay taxes? They were collecting and they realized that Peter and Jesus had not paid what? Taxes. And then he said, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him saying, what do you think, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Who do the kings of the earth take taxes from? Of their own children or of strangers? or in other versions of their subjects. Strangers here means subjects. So they ask Peter, does your master not pay taxes? And he says, no, he pays. And so he goes to talk to Jesus about the taxes. Then Jesus stops him in his tracks and tells him, tell me, Peter, when it comes to the kings of the earth, who do they collect taxes from? Do they collect them from their subjects or their children? And then Peter said, they only collect them from their subjects, which are strangers. And Jesus said unto him, 
then the children are free. That means children are free from paying taxes. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay taxes. Let us read down here. Jesus said, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first comes up. And when you have opened its mouth, you shall find a piece of money, then take it and give it to them for you and for me. This is what he's saying. The kings of the earth collect taxes from their subject, not children. And you are a child of a king. That means you are not needed of to collect tax from you. You're free from tax. However, that you do not offend them. He tells him, go into the mouth of a fish and get money for you and for me. So why do we pay taxes? Not to offend the sons of men. Who has understood it? Not to offend the sons of men. Why do we work hard? That we do not bring a stumbling block to the gospel. We have a problem of Malokole, born again Christians who don't want to work. They just want to spend all the whole day in the presence. As if the rest of us don't have a relationship with God. They're the only ones who have a special relationship with God. Fanero grew to 2,000 members while are still barking. That's why I'm trying to even tell to our pastors to redefine the word full-time. Because some of them, by heaven, cannot qualify to be in full-time. Their members are too few to be in full-time. And that's the hard truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Do I pay my taxes? Yes, I do. Even Fanero, we are tax compliant. If you're a Christian and you're not paying taxes, then you have not yet understood that you're a child of God. Or you have not yet understood your responsibility as a bearer of the anointing. If you dodge taxes, it means you, you are still bound. You just don't know that you are. I'm going to come back to this later, but let me skip to another story. In chapter 22, line 17, now we skip just a couple of chapters down. Verses 15, the Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. Now again, these Pharisees have gathered. And the Bible says, they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou of any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Is it lawful? to pay taxes to the government, to Caesar or not. And the Bible says, Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, who is this image and superscription? And the Bible says, and they said unto him, Caesar's. Then he said unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God which are God's. Meaning that we are supposed to give taxes because the inscription is of Caesar. The promissory note, that piece of money you have in your pocket belongs to the central bank. And that's the same you use to sell and buy, isn't it? So you must pay your taxes. 
But here is a mystery. Here is a mystery. Let's go back to 17. That the coin which he sent Peter in the mouth of a fish to get had the inscription of Caesar. Do you agree? But it was not made by Caesar. Who understands what I'm saying? It had the inscription. If you put it under a blue light and it was a piece of paper, it would show that it is legal tender. But even though it was legal tender, it was not manufactured by the smiths of Caesar. Meaning, Jesus did not live by Caesar's wealth. But yet he had the ability by reason of the anointing to get money from wherever he could to feed any need in the system of Caesar. So that means we use Caesar's money but we don't need Caesar's money. There are principles that govern accessing Caesar's money, but there are also principles that govern accessing God's money. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to tell us here. The person who lacked food in Matthew chapter 6 was because he could only eat by Caesar's pattern and principle and system. So if the system of Caesar could not favor them, they would not eat food. If the system of Caesar could not favor them, they would not go to school. If the system of Caesar does not favor them, they cannot pay rent. If the system of Caesar does not favor them, they cannot buy land. If the system of Caesar does not favor them, they cannot build a house. If the system of Caesar does not favor them, they cannot build a church. Why? Because they do not know that there is another door that is open by God. This story was just a sneak preview to align and elevate your optics of vision to see that God does not need to touch scissors to provide for you. This is what I believe. When we come to the language of the blessing of God that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow, that blessing does not consider whether you come from a first world country or a third world country. It does not care whether you were born by a king and a prince or you were born by a pauper or a beggar. It does not care whether you're black or white. It does not care whether you are educated or not. It does not care whether you're short or tall, beautiful or not. It does not care whether you're qualified or not. It does not care whether you are of merit or demerit. It doesn't weigh your credence. It has no bearing with the way the world builds it. It has every bearing from the root and foundation of the work of God as he has promised through the word. Unfortunately, not many believers are connected to that system. Because if we were, we would not lack. There's one sign that you're not connected to that system. You will not lack. And you realize that there is nothing in that system you cannot do without. Do you understand? When you understand how that system works, you realize no man can ever pay you by wage or salary what God has placed on your life. I always tell my employed friends that if a man can pay you millions of shillings on just three or four points on your job description, 
That means he says, of the whole of you of what you could be and could have ever become in this world, I only want three things out of you and I'm going to pay you hundreds of, of millions or tens of millions or two or 15 million or 40 million or 20. So if that system can see how much value you carry and it can give you only eight or seven roles of job description and if you can fulfill that, it will pay you all the money you need and on that selection, you have built a house. You're driving a car. Your children are in an international school. You've bought land. You've dreamt. What about everything else you could have been or are by Christ? I'm talking about that treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of God. Because how then do we have a conversation with a man who thinks that way and expects only that system to build them. And I have to tell them that actually, God called you to lend to nations and you shall not need to borrow. How do I explain to that man that you do not need to actually borrow? Oh, that's offensive. We all need loans. No, we don't all need loans. Men in that system need loans. Otherwise then, how does your salary lend a nation? Did you not say that the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure? the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend unto many nations, many nations and you shall not borrow, you shall lend unto many nations, not your community circle. You shall lend unto many nations, not your neighbor. You shall lend unto many nations, not that person who came to your kiosk to borrow food. Oh, he said you shall lend unto many nations and thou shall not borrow. But because this system has committed everything under the control of a few people in the world of which you are not part of. You find yourself every other day waking up at 5, 6 a.m. And some of you, every day, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., you're up out of your bed and you come home at night, midnight, 1, 2 a.m. Every day of your life, you have not even had the opportunity to raise your children. Now you understand when the Bible says that you're killing your children. Because your children are being raised by internet and television. Am I against hard work? No, I am not. But I'm against anything that does not position you to the inheritance that you have received by God. And this someone I'm preaching might not be popular. Not because what I'm preaching is wrong but because some of you have been so confused, convoluted, coagulated by that system that the moment you detach out of it for one second, everything we know about you will end. I'm a hard worker. I'm a businessman and I think, I plan. I also go out and read and what. But I have time for my house and I have time for my God. And that is why I pray for every man at the sound of my voice. That regardless of whatever you do on the earth, May you have time to serve your God and time for your family. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. There are people who work Monday to Sunday to Monday to Sunday to Monday to Sunday to Monday to Sunday. And I'm not saying the solution is quitting. No. You'll be counted unworthy for putting down the what? The plow. Work as you're believing God for a greater door. Keep that job and say, God, I am dreaming of a day where I will have something that will allow me to serve you. I saw people having miscarriages because of pressure in their workplaces. Young people have developed full-blown hypertension and it's hitting them. Their hearts are running at 180 kilometers per hour. The system is taking them. People are falling dead on desks 
Some people are sleeping even now because the whole day, it's been long since you even last had sleep. Your heart's prayer is for a public holiday to fall on a weekday. Oh, alas. I remember one time I was in the bank and during that season, I had what they call a head teller's job. Head teller is the one which supervises all the tellers, makes sure you balance the money, the cash and what, and make reports and what, and out of a very busy branch. And that specific year, every public holiday fell on a weekend. Ask me, I know what it feels like. You wake up at five, and then you tell yourself, only 10 minutes. You just hear them shake you. You are late. You take the time. It's seven. You're like, Mr. Bean. Where are you going? Down. 5K. Ha, I have four. Five. <laughs> oh! Who understands what I'm saying? You have the bank keys. You're the one with the cord. Reach five minutes, you have a warning letter waiting for you. Why are you late? And then you walk through, you even skip lunch. You're losing weight, but you're paid. Because the time you have, it's just throw some to samosas and tea. Then the evening you come back. Thank you, Jesus. You wake up at three. <laughs> Ooh, glory! If you're that kind of person, I'm not saying quit. Work hard, but believe God. Believe God. Believe God. God can create opportunity for others also. The mistake you can do is to quit. If you do, and you become broke, it wasn't me. It was your immaturity. Yes. Even Jesus, the Son of God, at one point he was a carpenter. Gwe. I'm saying accept it as a temporal season. It's temporal. It will pass. It should pass. In this period, seek purpose. And while you do it, do it so good such that you don't offend the name of Jesus. But while you're doing it, you tell yourself, this is not my destiny. No, it's a journey. I'll transition through. The Bible says if you're faithful in another man's, God will give you yours. Hey! hey! Now that's a big one. Who has understood what that means? If you're faithful in another man's, God will give you your own. That means you have the potential of owning everything you're working for. Ooh, look at unbelievers. Look at unbelievers. You have the potential of owning everything you're working for if you stay true, faithful, and committed. Keep your grit. That's why I tell people who are believers, don't understand the gospel. If you're working in a bank, work so well so they can say, mm, this one is born again. If you're working in an institution, in a market, whatever you are, in an insurance company, or some of you are working in NGOs, or you're working in this brokerage company or you're a consultant or you're in some stock exchange thing or you're in treasury, wherever you are, work so well 
Because with that faithfulness comes a door that can give you your own. Everything you are working for, never forget this, you have the ability to own one day. But that's not Babylon. No, that's a man who has come out. I said that's a man who has come out. Just be faithful. I told people some of us did not get anointed on prayer mountains. No, we slashed compounds. We washed cars. Oh my goodness. We drove children to school and back. We went, what didn't we do? But why are you doing that? Because one day you'll have your own. Don't cheat at your job because you're planting wrong seed. Don't cheat your manager's time. Some of you, you sit on the desk, then nobody's watching you. Then you put on solitaire. Until you have a phone that is open and it was given to you to use. And then you even misuse because you have been given power. I tell people, there is nothing so dysfunctional in a human spirit like the man which abuses power because it is given to them. Because there's a man somewhere in the world who can do better with that power. And the eyes of the Lord are seeking for them. Don't abuse something because you have it. And that's not only for working people, even as pastors. We shouldn't abuse these people because they're with us. Are you following, child of God? So, God opens a portal of understanding here. He's trying to tell you that I did not need the coppersmith or whoever makes money in Caesar's day to pay for taxes. Meaning, I have opened the door somewhere for you to access what your economy cannot make. And because I am truth and the word of God is incorruptible, that which comes from my realm cannot corrupt that system. Who has understood what I just said? Let me explain it. You remember when Jesus turns water into wine in Canaan? Huh? Now, this spirit of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, it could not have made wine with a percentage of alcohol to get men drunk. That's corruption. So much as Jesus turned water into wine, that wine had 0% alcohol. Hey, those of you who take wine, <laughs> fire. But the Bible doesn't refuse us to take wine. But you see, corruption cannot get in corruption. And incorruption cannot beget corruption. Jesus Christ is the seed of God incorruptible. He knew no sin. He cannot corrupt a man. One day somebody told me, oh no, where does the Bible refuse alcohol? Let me tell you, when you learn separating the permissible from the beneficial, the lawful from the expedient, you realize that the Bible says it is not for kings to take wine. Who knows what that means? Proverbs 31 verses 4. It is not for kings to take wine, Lemuel. And he explains to you the kind of people who love wine. He says, give strong drink to him that is what? That is bitter. All ready to die. If you find somebody who sometimes takes time and that person has a heavy heart or they're suicidal. That one, there's that one you give. But the Bible says you'll forget the law of God. You'll forget the law of God and pervert judgment. Now, is it wrong? If you don't understand the power of kingly anointing, it's okay. 
But if you're kingly, you'll be sober 24 hours a day. Because you need to judge matters. So that wine in Kana did not make men drunk. I have no problem with somebody who drinks 0% alcohol, beer, non-alcoholic wine, drink yourself until you are full. <laughs> are you following? Now, if that wine cannot corrupt the human body, or else it would conflict with who God is by nature and essence, neither can that money bring inflation. Oh yeah, you got it? Yeah, that's what I was trying to talk about. Neither can the money that comes out of the mouth of a fish bring hyperinflation. Because by divine wisdom, it can dissolve when the need is done and still balance their economy. So they can only count what they made. Oh, slap somebody and tell them they're talking about me. Are you learning something? But he says that there is a door. I will not only work on your currency. I will not only work on your pay grade. I will not only work on your appointment letter. Do not only subject me according to your budgets, your prospective budgets, your analyses, your income analyses. Don't plan me against your cash projections. I can do beyond your cash projections. But you need to come out. 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 That's what he's telling us. So we render to Caesar and to God what is to God. That you should never get to a point where Caesar desires what you cannot give because he has given you the power to make it or access it minus that system. How do you come out? You see, this thing called God consciousness, this thing called God consciousness is a very deep, deep, deep thought. And I'm just going to take two or three minutes to explain it to you. When Jesus was on the earth, would he worry that he was not going to pay a tax? Why? Back to the story of Peter. He knew he was a son of God. And therefore, by right, what they paid from the system of Caesar, he had access to it free. He did not need to expend it from any of what he had on the earth. Because it didn't matter what he had on the earth. It mattered the relationship that he had with the Father and the covenant that he has with his God. Meaning, Jesus has never worried about giving to Caesar because he didn't need to go through the process of what men go through to pay Caesar. Do you understand? And by the way, taxation is a Babylonian system. It's hard, but it's true. But it's not wrong because it's the only way you build your nation and extend services to run it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is how you come out. The day you ever train your spirit that you have all that pertains to life and godliness. The day you ever train your spirit that you have everything you need to live sufficiently in this world. I'm talking about training your spirit to a point that whenever need comes or the pressures of life are needed for you to perform and prove that provision. 
You are by no means shaken, taken out of rest, or lose peace, sleep, or appetite because of the physical need. That man has detached from the Babylonian system financially. Let me explain this deeper. If you ever tell your mind and convince it that you cannot lack, that you have all that pertains to life and godliness, that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that for whatever you will need in this world is already supplied, not will be, not could be, not may be, not should be, but is already supplied by God. If you can train your attitude and awaken your conscience to that reality and speak it, think it, act like it, build a life and pattern, your attitude and ideals with that mentality, that regardless of whatever is lacking, you will never find yourself confessing, imagining, speaking, reacting as one which lacks. You have come out. You have come out. And today it's what we want to do through prayer. Babylon is a spirit of lack. It will never have enough. And it's a consciousness some of you carry. You know, when the Lord started to train me about this thing, I'll give you just one or two testimonies. Sometimes I'll get into my pocket and the last money I have, and I realize I only have 20,000 in my pocket. I remember the first time I had only, I think it was a thousand shillings. And I told myself, I have so much that I have enough to give. I got that 1,000 and gave it to a kid. Do you know why I gave that 1,000 to a kid on the road? Because I was trying to refuse myself to carry the consciousness of lack. Because if you carry that consciousness, that 1,000 can be the difference between your meal that day and death the next two days. You're like the widow of Zarephath. That I only have this little oil and bread for me and my son to eat and then we will die because it's never sufficient. And then I would have 10,020. The moment I realize that that's the last amount I have, I must convince myself that I have so much and the only way to do it is by giving it to another person. And I started to cultivate a life like that. A life like that. A life like that. And I'll never forget the day, and I've shared this before, where God told me from today, the moment the sun comes up, a man will bless you. And it, it has been like that since. Because you see, if a bird eats, how can you lack? Do you understand what I'm saying? But do you know what it takes to to, to to build that consciousness in you. When you get it, you'll never, you'll never, you know, I, I hear some parents. Someone is walking in the room and he says, ah, this yaka, 
I don't know where I'll pay this electricity from. That, that's, that's Babylon. That's Babylon. That's confusion. You're, by heaven, you're confused. How can you fail to pay electricity? When your father made... He made the water. He made the iron that was used to, 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 to make the dynamos that are spinning to produce that, water, that electricity and, and the, the, the electric wires, which he also made to... to and then you have those conversations of, I don't know whether I can do this except by doing this. Now, in your, in your thinking, you think that you have to find a certain way according to that system for you to access certain things by God. God does not need your way to bless you. He doesn't need the system of the world to bless you. He doesn't even need your effort to bless you. There are people in this world, like the Bible says, who are going to enter houses they never built. Slap somebody and tell them they're talking about me. There are people in this world that are going to inherit vineyards they've never planted. That's another man's labor. The Bible says in Isaiah 45 verses 3, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. I will give thee, I will give thee. You'll not work for it. He says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, which called thee by name, I am the God of Israel. Somebody shout amen. amen. There are things somewhere hidden and they're hidden for you. So that's why I tell people, you're not wealthy by your job. You're wealthy by the blessing. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. God is building something bigger than what you're working for. God is building something bigger than what your hand is laboring for. That's what I'm trying to say. This blessing of God will give you more than your hands can make. It will give you more than your hands can build. It will give you more than your ability, your wisdom can build. It will give you more than your education can build. That's what God has promised for them that love Him. He says, I'll give you the hidden treasures. There are treasures in secret places. There's a man right now, you see when the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. Do you know what that means? The wealth of the wicked, reading the Amplified Version. The Bible says, one, two, three, let's go. A good man lives an inheritance, moral stability and goodness to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner, listen, finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous to whom it was laid up for. That means that... Somebody's working, but there's just wealth trying to locate you. He didn't send money, he said wealth. He did not send money, he said wealth. There's a man right now working so hard for you. They're working hard for you. There's a man right now dreaming, but they're dreaming for you. They're inventing, but they're inventing for you. They're innovating, but they're innovating for you. They're translating, they're in sleepless nights, they're losing appetite, they're doing all of these things. But eventually, the problem with some Christians, because they have not carried this consciousness, 
They are the ones working for us. Did you get it? Because they have not awakened this consciousness. They are in the working ones for. Do you remember him promising? He said that you shall not build, you shall not establish for another hand to take. No. That's not your portion. Because there is a system in this world, there is a law fundamental by God that is rewarding a man out of another man's sweat and it's happening every morning. Now, you proud one, you think, no, me, I only want what I work for. Me, I can only do what I work for. If I did not work for it, I don't want it. You're joking. You're joking. That's false humility. You must admit that something will come your way to the glory of God and expansion of His kingdom. The Bible says they shall not build and another shall what? Inhabit. They shall not plant another what? Eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. What you build, you won't lose. What they build, it will come to you. E, that's not fair. Get born again. Enter the kingdom. Don't judge us for accepting Jesus and the word. Hallelujah, glory to God. So as you're walking in the world with one hand, keep the hand that plans for the blessing. Don't plan from your pay. Plan out of Babylon. When you say I'm going to build, don't first look at how much money you have on your account. No. That's fallen. That's corruption. Look at the riches that you have in Christ Jesus. For he said, my God shall supply your needs according to your paycheck, according to your appointment letter, according to how much that deal that you did with the government was going to bring out. No, he says, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We don't plan to build buy cars because we have enough money to buy them on the account. No, we buy cars, we build houses, we build a church, we do whatever has to be done entirely on his riches in glory in Christ. Never sit around a conversation of poor men discussing poverty. I don't know who I'm communicating to. You know you have those people who sit on her, this government, her. inflation, oh, oh. now things are going. And then you also add, you, you, oh, 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 oh. you also add, you also add, you also add. You say, oh, me, I took a loan with Pride Microfinance. Do you know what it's doing to me? Don't tell me, sister. Oh, you also did meets and scenery. Even if you took a loan, keep quiet. Don't lose your sweet words. In fact, when they say I took a loan, you tell them, me, yeah, I paid mine. Hey, that the communication of your faith will become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. One time I met a fellow, not long ago. The guy said, in Luganda, he said, in Sitetarina said, translating for my American friends that the nation no longer has money. And I added and I said, Zasigala wafe. Translated to mean the money stayed at mine only. And I meant it, glory to God.
because I don't carry the consciousness that if that system is failing, I am failing. The Bible says when there is a casting down, you shall say that there is a lifting up. I cannot be broke. I cannot be poor. I cannot lack. I am advantaged in the field and in the nations beyond. Doors are opened for me. Kings are coming to my rising. Gentiles are coming to my light. Strangers are serving me. That is my faith in Christ. So the man asked me, what do you mean? I said, I'm a local father, child in a saint. That we born again Christians, we have money. It stayed in ours. Glory to God. Glory to God. Refuse to think poor. Refuse to think that you're not worthy to receive certain things because of your pay grade. And you Africans, I'm talking to you especially Africans. We don't need aid from developed countries. We don't need their favor. We don't need anything from them. All we need is Jesus. Some of you think that you need to sit on aeroplanes to make money in America. No, we are going to build wealth in Uganda. We are going to make Uganda a first world country. Not by power, not by might, but by His Spirit. We are working like we know what we're doing for our nation. Our children will enjoy this nation. The Bible says, I will make your deserts blossom. This is exactly what we believe to see God to do. Because I'm in Uganda, Uganda shall thrive. It shall prosper. Somebody tell yourself, I will not see war in my nation because I live here. My children will not run out of this nation because I have God and I have a covenant with God in Jesus' mighty name. Stop that lack mentality. It was after the fall that Adam realized he lacked. Before the fall, Adam never knew the spelling of lack. It did not exist in the dictionary at the creation of Adam and Eve. That word was created after the fall. Lack. To lack. It wasn't the definition of God. It will never be. He says you shall not lack any good thing. I have preached. I have preached. If you understand this wisdom, shoes are going to pay your bills. Elephants are going to cough out your rent. Ravens are going to drop food like they did for Elijah. If you understand this mystery, trees are going to cough your inheritance. Birds will drop coins on your head and hey! Now I know there's somebody saying that is wishful thinking. Now listen to this pastor misleading people. No, you're the misled one. You're the corrupt one. God has not designed you to lack. Raise your hands and thank God for the word. The Bible says, Ravens brought him bread. <laughs> ravens brought him bread. Some of you are going to have ravens soon. People who are losing peace and appetite and sleep to bless you without merit. Receive it in Jesus' name. Just open your mouth. Receive this word. Receive this word.
to give me eternal life. So from my heart and with my mouth, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.